that was good, wasn't it? So appreciate our kids who work so hard in that. Also, Lindsay Savaka, who directs our programs and who always does a great job and uh, just thoroughly enjoyed that. Christmas cake. Christmas acts a kindness experiment. So something to remember as we go into Christmas here. I was thinking back to Christmas when I was a kid in, in the memories that I had, and I discovered I really didn't have that many memories of Christmas. Isn't that weird? And I was thinking about some of the gifts that I've got. And sorry, some of you up closer, you have a little obstacle here. But uh, I got some of these gifts, and I was trying to think about them. And I remembered this one. When I was about six years old, I got a Wacky Races coloring book. Anybody remember Wacky Races? Yes, there's two of us. Okay, that's great. It was a Saturday morning cartoon. Remember when cartoons were on Saturday morning and you had to get up early to watch them? Oh, those were the days, weren't they? And I got this. I, don't, this is a, I found this online, okay? I still don't have a copy of my coloring book from when I was sick. I got this also, and I, I'm not sure you could see that, but it's a Mighty Mike. It was like a four-wheel drive battery-operated Jeep, and it climbed over like little plastic rocks. And you could see it on the track here, some of you, and it would wind all over the, what I remember about this gift was it didn't work. When I, un- when I opened mine, it was broken. And so we took it back to the store, and they were out of stock, and I never got one. I don't know. Well, when I was in high school, I lived in South Bend, Indiana, and maybe ninth grade, I remember my parents gave me a toboggan for Christmas one year. Think about that, okay? I lived in South Bend. Are you familiar with South Bend? This is a picture, like, right outside of South Bend. What do you do with a toboggan in South Bend? It's like lawn furniture for the backyard in the winter. I mean, you can sit on it, but you're not going anywhere. When I thought about Christmas, what I remembered most about Christmas wasn't any gifts that I got. My biggest memory of Christmas was my father wrestling with the Christmas tree. My father was like the most unhandy person ever. And somehow, though, the Christmas tree was his responsibility, and it was like this annual ordeal. He'd go off to the lot, and he'd come back with his tree, and he'd have to get it into the tree stand. And so he'd go out into the garage, and like an hour later, we still hadn't seen anything out of him. And he'd finally wander back in, kind of bruised and bloodied after wrestling with the tree. And he'd say, I think I got it. And he'd come in, and he'd set it up, and the thing would be like... And we'd all run in as a family. We'd try to rescue the tree. I remember one year, we actually took the tree, and we put fish line around it, and we screwed it into the wall. That was the only way that that tree was going to stand up. And that actually is like my biggest memory of Christmas, with the exception of one year. And it's actually going to sound a little bit familiar because the play that we just watched was very similar. When I was in maybe fourth or fifth grade, my dad came home from work uh, Christmas Eve day, uh, like about noontime, and he said, hey, I just found out about this family. They've got three or four kids. I don't remember exactly, but they don't really have any money, and they're not going to have any Christmas. And we're going to do something about that. And so he packed the three of us kids into the car, and we went off to the store, and he gave us a list of these kids, their ages, and boy or girl. He said, okay, we're all going to split up, go find presents for these kids, and then come, we're going to meet back here at the cash register on the way out. And I still remember this. We all went off. We found our things. We brought it back to the cash register. We checked out, and we went home, and we wrapped all these things up, and we got in the car, and we drove off to these people's house. And I suppose we got there, I don't know, 8, 9 o'clock at night. It was a little bit late, and, and we knocked on the door on Christmas Eve, and we'd never met these people before in our lives. And we knock on the door, and they're kind of like... 
And we're like, <laughs> you know, like we're, we're, we're for real. And finally, they kind of, you know, open the door and like, yes. And, and my dad explains that, hey, we just heard that you guys didn't have Christmas this year. And we wanted to do something about that. And we're standing there with these bags. And they're like, well, come on in. And I still remember walking in the house that day. And there was a Christmas tree to the right. And there was just like a little white sheet around the base of the Christmas tree. And there were no presents under that tree. And the kids were all off in bed, and I just remember we left those gifts there that night and went out the door, and I was probably the last we ever heard of that, but it was like my best Christmas ever. And I still remember it today because it impacted me on some incredible level. See, somewhere in life we learn that Christmas is about a little bit more than what we think it's about when we all get started. But I have some questions for us here as we just talk briefly to wrap up our morning here. The first question is this. What exactly is that feeling that I felt? When I walked away, even as a, as a 10 or 12-year-old kid, when I walked away from that, and what was that feeling that I felt? And then secondly, what exactly was it that gave me that feeling? Or that made me feel this way? Well, I think to answer the first question, I think the feeling I felt was joy. Actually, for maybe the first time, really understanding what joy was, but it was like that inner satisfaction, that inner like, "Ah, yes. But the reason that I felt that way is because of Christmas. And oftentimes we feel joy at Christmas. And we oftentimes feel joy in the moment, because we involve ourselves in things like these kids did in the story or things that we actually do where we express kindness. Where earlier the kids read the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. Jesus was born in a stable at Bethlehem. The angels came and they told the shepherds about it and they said what? We've got good news of great joy. It's going to be for all the people. You just need to head off to the stable. And so they do. And in the process of going, they discover joy in Christmas. So the question is for us today, how can we discover joy in Christmas? Well, there's lots of reasons, but let me just mention two here briefly this morning. The first one is this. Christmas shows us how to experience joy in life. Christmas shows us how to experience joy in life, and not just at Christmas time, but joy at all times in life. Because if we're completely honest, a lot of us struggle with this. If you watch that little video just a minute ago, it said that only one in three Americans claim to be happy. That's sad, isn't it? That two-thirds of the people that you're living life with, that you're working with, that you're going to school with, would say that, no, I'm, I'm... kind of unhappy. And maybe you're in the third that's happy this morning, and maybe you're in the two-thirds that's struggling with happiness. You're struggling with frustration or disappointment or dissatisfaction. And when you pursue things that you think will take care of those issues, you find that you're still struggling with disappointment and dissatisfaction. And it just becomes a never-ending stream of experiences and expectations of life that just don't quite live up to what you're hoping for. And you're left feeling just a little bit hollow afterwards. Well, Christmas has the answer for that. And it's in the Christmas story, not in Luke 2, although it's there, but it's a story that Paul tells 
when he gives us the idea of Christmas. And most of us don't realize that Paul actually had his version of the Christmas story, and it shows up in Philippians chapter 2. And I'll read it for you this morning, but hopefully some of you can at least see enough of this to read along with me. Paul says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And what he is saying here is, Jesus was an example. So pay attention to the example that he sets here. And so he goes on, he says, Who being in very nature God, Jesus was God, he didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage or something to hold on to. Sorry, i got to keep advancing the slides there. But he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And he's talking about Christmas. And what he's basically saying is we have a God who Jesus, as God, had every right to just stay forever in heaven, but said, you know what? I'm going to set that aside for the time being, and I'm going to go to earth. And I'm not just going to go to earth to visit as God. I'm going to go to earth to live as man. And not only am I going to go to earth to live as man, I'm going to come in the form of a baby. That's the part of the story that sometimes I have a hard time getting my head around. But in the process of doing this, Jesus tells us how we can experience joy because he provides us an example. Here's the obvious, right? Kindness helps us experience joy because it helps us experience who God made us to be. Do you realize that we were actually made to be givers and not receivers? We're made the Bible tells us, in God's likeness. We're not God, but we're like God in a lot of ways, in our personalities sometimes, in our, in our thinking, in our way that we relate. But one of the ways that we are like God is that we were made to be expressive or to be generous or to be kind. And just like God was kind and just by sending Jesus and just like Jesus was kind by coming himself, we are called to be kind like that. But when we are kind like that, we actually experience what God intended from the first because we're doing what we were created to do. You ever had that moment in life when you're doing something and you're like, oh, this is just me? And maybe you're, you know, artistic or maybe you're like one of these kids and they're out here doing drama and you're like, oh, this is so me. Or maybe you're, you're, you're working at something at work and you've you're just got the analytical mind and, and you're crunching numbers. And some of people are looking like, why would you like that? And you're like, oh, I just love this because it's so me. When we practice kindness, one of the reasons that we enjoy that is because it's so us. And that's how God made us to be. Generous, giving, kind. And when we do this, we actually discover our true selves. It's crazy, isn't it? But it's bigger than that also. Because kindness also requires us to be less about ourselves. And when we do that, we're less about all the things that bug us too. We're less about our selfish desires and we're less about being offended and we're less about our stress and we're less about our anxiety and our fear and our our jealousy and all those things. And kindness gets me out of the world where I'm constantly looking at me 
and into a world where I'm aware of the people around me, and it benefits me in the process as well. And when we get really good at it, we get to this level, that true kindness is completely one-sided. Now, some of us, we figured out this kindness thing, and we figured out that that's really a better way to live. You know, when we go to work, to be kind to people. When we go to school, to be kind to, to people there. Or in the neighborhood, to be kind. And we look for ways to be generous and do things. And we really do a great job with this at Christmas, don't we? You know, go ahead, take, you know, go in front of me in line here. I'll let you out into traffic. You know, January 1st, all bets are off. But when we get to the idea of where kindness is really a part of our stories, we stop worrying about what we get back from it. Because so far, everything I've said is like, well, if you'll be kind, then you'll feel joy. And it's like this transaction. But when we get to kindness like Jesus, we don't really worry about what we get back from it. We just look at people and say, you know, you've got a need or or you've got a problem or you've got a situation here. I am just going to take care of that and I don't care if I get any credit for it. I don't care if you even know who I am. I don't know if you cheer for me. I don't care if you give me a gift back or even a thank you note. Any of that stuff. I'm just going to be kind. And when we get to that place in life, we're going to experience that joy. And so this morning, if you come in and joy is an issue, you're like, there's a solution right there. Kindness. Because it lets you be who God made you to be. Well, there's a second reason why Christmas is... uh, the reason for joy in our story. And it's this. By coming here, Jesus didn't just give us an example of how to be kind. He actually came to solve a problem. And that problem was ours. And that problem, actually, one of them, we had many, one of them was the problem of joy. And we keep reading there in that, in that passage in Philippians, and it goes on and says this, Jesus being found in appearance as a man actually... Jesus, as a baby, becomes a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And that was the ultimate act of kindness right there. And he came so that we could experience ultimate joy. See, I can go be kind to somebody, and I can feel good in the moment because that's me and how I was created to be. And I can feel good because I can see other people were benefited. And I can be feel good just because of how it affects our relationships. But the problem is... It only lasts for so long. And that's okay because it encourages me to go back and to be kind again. But Jesus says, you know what? I can give you a joy that keeps on lasting. That doesn't just have a start and stop time where you have to keep generating new stuff. I can give you joy that just keeps going on. They read the Christmas story where the angel said what? Unto you this day a Savior is born. Church, we talk about big concepts. Sometimes we talk about this idea of Savior. And what does it mean that Jesus is a Savior? And we think in these big terms, well, he came to save us from our sins. Well, yeah, that's true. And that's good, right? Because we have a sin problem. But sometimes we sit here and think, well, I'm glad that he came to save us from our sins, but I kind of like my sins right now, at least for the time being. Maybe later I'll do something about that. And so it doesn't really affect us. Or we can say, well, Jesus then came to save us from hell and to give us a place in heaven someday. And that sounds good too, doesn't it? And we all got to think about that because someday we're all going to pass from this life into the next and, and we need to be ready. But boy, that seems a long way off in the distance. But that's not all that Jesus came to save us from. 
Jesus also came to save us from our emptiness. He came to save us from that feeling that we get on Christmas night when it's all over and where it's got to go back in the box. And we're like, let down city. And Jesus came to say, you know what? I'll save you from that emptiness. I'll save you from that frustration that comes when you put everything into it and you succeed and you get the trophy and then you look at it and go, eh, that wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. And he saves us from that. He saves us from the emptiness sometimes that comes like, what is this life all about? Like, is there any purpose to this? What am I here for anyhow? Like, is it just to collect as much as I can or to have as many experiences as I can? And he came to save us from that sense of not being able to figure out life. He came to save us from our bad habits. He came to save us from our addictions. He came to save us from our bad decisions. He came to save us from our selfishness. He came to save us from all those things. Sometimes we get this big thing, save us from our sins and save us from hell and take us to heaven. And we forget that it's for here and for now that he came. And so this morning, I guess I'd ask this question. How much joy do you have? Because if you don't have it, there's a reason. It's your choice. You can have it. You can have it on a, on a, on a simple level by just going off and practicing acts of kindness, or you can Christmas acts of kindness and be a part of the experiment. And if you do that, it will actually work for you. Everybody, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, it's because God made you that way, and when you follow the specifications, it's going to work that way for you in your life. Or you could take it a step further this morning and say, you know what, I don't want just that kind of joy. That's good. But I want ultimate joy. And that's where we actually say, okay, Jesus, I believe you came as a baby, that you died on a cross for me so that I could be saved. Sin, from insecurity, from disappointment, from all these things that plague our lives. And we can experience joy in that way. And that would be my prayer and my hope for you this morning.